Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy and our galaxy as well, this is Four Center presents Other Centers Life Ranked. I'm Ken Napsock, Kenneth Allen Napsock. <laughs> Make it sound even longer. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw presents Joseph Aaron Scrimshaw here on Other Center. 
<laughs> wow. Okay. I'm well, my name has changed, but I'm just going to go by Jennifer Landa. Keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful indeed. There you go. There you go, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's a special episode of Other Center. Uh, we uh, love doing Star Wars Rank, but uh, years ago on uh, my other feed, I started a show called Life Rank. That made a lot of fun. And uh, Joseph and I have been having a lot of fun uh, bringing some of our past kind of podcast formats and ideas over to the other center world to explore some things. And we've been doing uh, these life ranks, comfort foods, uh, favorite video games. And now we are going to turn our eye to something that, well, I think we often talk about here on Force Center <laughs> and Other Center. But now we're actually going to dive right into it. And this probably won't be the last time. Today, our life ranked episode is our Favorite bands slash musicians. That's going to be left up to uh, up to us to determine as we go through this list. We each have five choices. No honorable mentions. Will others get mentioned? I'm sure, maybe, but we're going to just right get right to it. Uh, I um, obviously talk about music a lot. Joseph talks about music a lot. We have our influences uh, out there. I think people in Four Center Land know. Oh, this is going to be a big list. Oh, here we go. I got the names that are probably going to show up. But I got to tell you, Joseph, I'm really excited because we get to hear from Jennifer today on music. I'm so thrilled that Jennifer can join us because, yes, longtime listeners will be like, they, they can probably make our list for us. But we have no <laughs> idea. I have a couple guesses for Jennifer, but I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I really I kind of struggled with this one, to be honest. I was like. Who are my favorite artists and musicians mm -hmm. and bands? But I got it. I'm excited to share. Mm. Yep. As I take a big swig of an energy drink I need today, I'll say this, um, at least for my list, I went with some of the bigger names because it's not just about the music. It's about the way they influenced me as a person, helped build me as a person, maybe occasionally tore me down as a person, and also influenced some of my own creative choices in my life. So that's why they're some of the biggest choices. And it's so hard to leave off like favorite bands, like bands and songs. And I want you all to know about new bands. And uh, uh, man, you guys haven't heard Child Seat? You guys got to hear Child Seat. My <laughs> tendencies are to do that. So we're not here to discuss that. I've even uh, left off uh, one name that's um, I'm a huge fan and, and hugely influenced by in the last couple of years. But I felt, I felt because I really only truly appreciated and discovered this artist over the last couple of years, despite a long career from them. I was like, I, 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 I'm not going to discuss them today. So it's, it's, uh, it's hard, Joseph. We always say life ranked is hard. Star Wars ranked is hard. This is really, really hard. This is really difficult. And I'm really trying to approach this as a, as a sampler episode, because I think we could do deeper dives on some of these, uh, these bands, the influences. I was making my notes and I was making my notes and saying like, remember, you got to keep this short. There are three of you. We only have so much time to record this episode. It's gotta be, you gotta contain yourself. And I basically wrote my, my, I was like, I want to jot down a couple songs for each band. And I wrote my, like <laughs> my ranked list of top songs for every one of these bands too. It's hard to contain. See, I, I I didn't do that, and I glad I didn't. It was maybe mostly a time thing, but now, I, yes, I would have been like you. It would have been twenty songs deep on why you need to know this art. So, uh, Jen, you've already said it's hard. I'm excited to get to your list, and we're going to dive right in. Uh, no more caveats. No more explaining our choices. We begin our list. Our favorite bands slash musicians slash artists in the music world, beginning with Jen's number five. My number five, which now I'm wondering if it might be Joseph's, is Frank Sinatra. Wow. Yes. So my dad loves Frank Sinatra. So I grew up listening to him 
a lot. And I was a teenager and everyone was like, you listen to Frank Sinatra. (laughs) But I love Frank. And the reason why one of my favorite albums of his is the quintessential album, in my opinion, Sinatra at the Sands with the Count Basie Orchestra. Mm-hmm. It is a live album that they recorded at the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas in 1966. And it's just, it's Frank. He's so loose. He's charming the crowd. He's working the crowd. The band is like playful and they have such a great like kind of relationship. Um, and, and it just really, I feel like he breathed new life into like some of his old standards, like Luck Be a Lady Tonight, Fly Me to the Moon, all those. And it also is kind of like a time capsule of that swinging 60s era. It's just, it just transports you to literally to a different time. Mm. Mm. Joseph, you have entered the chat. <laughs> oh boy, I'm trying to contain myself. This is this is amazing. We can. I didn't know that you that you liked Sinatra. We can do a whole. We can do 30 episodes on Sinatra. Uh, <laughs> as you're talking, I'm I'm going through my mental list of my favorite bits from that album. One of my mm. very favorites is. Uh, somebody from the crowd shouts one more and he goes one more one more what uh that, that, that's what i'll be saying to the bartender in a minute one more <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes. how'd you all get in my room <laughs> yeah how'd you all get in my room is a classic that they all uh, pass back and forth it's uh, so great but yeah he, he talks about his entire life you might have uh, heard recently that i've turned 50 years old and i'm here to tell you that's a dirty communist lie straight out of hanoi that one <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> right i mean there are definitely like he's cracking jokes that were obviously of the time you know but the the music is just i i put it on and it's an album that i can listen from start to finish oh yeah it's fabulous it's one of the uh the early ones i had and it is it's a it's a celebration of his uh his 50th uh birthday it's a whole tour thing and man fabulous fabulous but i am going to contain myself because yes uh mr sinatra is is on my list (laughs) uh that's this is a great challenge yeah we 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 talked about maybe exchanging ideas and then i just forgot to respond to an email and didn't send my ideas out and well, here we are but this will be a lot of fun and uh, speaks to the power of music and speaks to what we were talking about earlier a big surprise from landa out of the gate this is mm. this yes mm. great to be surprised Great to be surprised. Well, that's Jen's number five. Uh, old blue eyes frank sinatra himself uh, joseph will go to your number five uh, my number five is a band, uh, but the lead singer was quoted as saying uh, his favorite singer was Frank Sinatra, and it blew people's minds because uh, my number five is Guns N' Roses. Uh, Axl Rose gave an interview. I think he told MTV or Rolling Stone. I think they're they're I think they're probably expecting like you know. Uh, it, I don't know. It was the, the Led Zeppelin singer, um, Robert Plant's my favorite singer. Nope, he's like Frank Sinatra. Um, and at the time, I was like, "What?" Because I just knew Frank Sinatra is like that that old guy that Phil Hartman makes fun of. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, yes. I didn't fully understand. We'll talk about that at other times. Uh, but yeah, I, I bring up Guns N' Roses uh, relatively often on the podcast, so not a surprise at all. Ken, I was like you. As I went through this list, it was about the music, it was about the songs, but I realized the artists that I was gravitating to mm. all kind of had a story of how they fit into my life, and particularly when they first came into my life, what mm. did they mean to me, and, and what did they yeah. fulfill? Um, and for me, Guns N' Roses was that, um, a, I've talked about it a lot. I was, I, you know, Funny and nerdy, and and you know, I definitely had some good times, but definitely had some real, real bad times of being being uh, bullied. Um, 
And and uh, this is around a time where my parents are starting to get a little concerned about this new rock and roll music. They grew up with the Beatles and the Stones, with like mm-hmm. the like. I think I think uh, my parents saw me watching the Sweet Child of Mine uh, video and like, hmm. who are these people? What are they? <laughs> what are they can convince my child to do? Why are they screaming so much? Uh, so they were they were dangerous. They were so dangerous. Um, on my 14th birthday, I uh, went to the record store and I knew I wanted Appetite because I, I'd heard Appetite for Destruction. I'd heard Welcome to the Jungle on the radio. I'd heard Sweet Child of Mine. I'd heard Paradise City. And I knew like those are all the same band. I got to get that. And I was all set to get a, 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 an album. And then I was like, I might need to hide this from my parents. So I have to get a cassette. So I, I got the cassette because I might need to hide it. So it was definitely the danger. It was definitely the edge. But it was also, to be perfectly honest, it, it was such mm-hmm. a cathartic release because I was getting to the age where I was understanding more about the world and mm-hmm. bad things about it and, and being bullied and feeling left out and feeling ostracized and, and you know, stared at by my parents. And I needed an outlet for that that frustration. And Guns N' Roses absolutely was that. Um, yeah. Yeah. The uh, other thing I'll say really quickly musically is they are very, very, they get lumped in with the, the hair bands of their era, but musically they are very different. That became very powerful to me. A lot of that hair band music is very bright, like literally knobs on amplifiers turned to bright, bright, bright. It's screechy and mm. poppy and guns and roses uh, come from a background of, uh, of blues and Axl Rose grew up gospel singing and he loves Sinatra's ability to bend a note. And he brought that into heavy metal. And there's just a lot about the music that is, in my opinion, it's darker, it's bassier, it's bluesier. And that spoke to me and helped, uh, uh help shape my, uh, uh, opinions about art that mm-hmm. Guns N' Roses sounded a million times different to me than poison. And, and oh, it yeah. means the world to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, first of all, this is a surprise that it's uh, that it's quote this low. <laughs> uh, I was expecting it to be higher. Uh, I've always, uh, you know, since uh, uh, the early days of knowing you, know, known you've loved the band, and I've been intrigued by it. I don't know why. It's almost unfair to you to say you like Guns N' Roses. And, you know, <laughs> anyone can like anything. I just I associate them with that era and walking around junior high with people in their jean jackets with docking patches on them. And <laughs> I don't, I just never, I just grew up with that point of view. And so I was like, I, I can't imagine Joseph doing that, but uh, you explained it in such a beautiful way and have always uh, explained it well. And I really agree with you. There's a reason. And, and there's nothing against those other bands. I don't know. Maybe poisons on Jennifer's list, but <laughs> I think you're speaking to, um, the tendency we have to just look at one artist or genre and write it off because it isn't us or doesn't speak to us, I should say. And then you dig in and you find the true artists beneath it. Uh, there's a reason they became at, at, at a time, the biggest band in the world, without a doubt. And they were heard everywhere and their influences everywhere. And other bands try to uh, copy them or other bands were, were in the same genre, but never quite hitting the same notes. Literally. Uh, I think you're explaining it perfectly well. There is a great, great, a tapestry of influences in their work. Yeah. yeah. And, and still going strong. And I, I don't think it is just nostalgia. I think it is the, the quality of those songs that have uh, really survived mm-hmm. that they're still, you know, packing stadiums literally across the world. Yeah. And uh, it, it, with lots of these artists, asterisks <laughs> yeah. that, yep. There are definitely some of their lyrics that I'm, you know, I do, I do not support um, and things that they have, you know, retracted and all that. But, uh, but that is the, mm-hmm. the nature of art. So that's my number five. 
It's a great number five. I'm going to move to my number five. But Jen, I do want some thoughts on Guns N' Roses and Joseph loving Guns N' Roses. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I am a little surprised. Uh, but I totally, that's a great way of describing them because they do have more of a blues sound and like you're saying, mm-hmm. warrant poison and it and it is a real testament to like their music that i you can listen to it now and and it's very enjoyable where i was probably would not be listening to cherry pie over and over again you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly the karaoke bar maybe love that well uh, yeah oh sorry joseph sorry no 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 please go ahead Okay, my I'm, number. I'm cutting five. myself off. Yeah, no, yeah, that's the joke. I, I, we're going to work really, really hard. This can't, we have a time crunch today, and that's a good thing because this would be a three-hour episode. Uh, Music Center is on the way. Uh, so I have a number five. So this is what's great about uh, this list. Uh, I, oh, that's a weird term. Great. Um, I have this top five. I've had this list in place for a decade, right? Without a doubt. Mm. I, oh, oh, we're doing this. I got it. I don't have to think about it. But uh, over the last few years, a slot opened up because one of my favorite artists. Um, Let's just say uh, he got uh, canceled for being the very thing he has always said he was in the songs. And I'm not saying that like begrudgingly, like I'm bummed to have to remove him. It was just like, oh, yeah. okay, Yeah, that was all too real for a reason. And um, uh, I don't explore his music as much anymore is what I'll say. So he's not on the list. And that opened up a slot. I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) who's on this list now? And who is who do I talk about often? And who do I reference? And who am I influenced uh, by? And I have always been a fan of this artist. I, I, I call myself a greatest hits fan, meaning I, I know the big hits, but never explored beyond that. And then that started to change. Started to change with a good friend of mine who was, uh, in addition to being the biggest AHA fan of the world, was also the biggest fan of this artist I knew. Took me to see him in what ended up being one of his, I think, his final world tour, and that is David Bowie. Um, this is a legend for a reason. And, and, and as always, there's a reason they're legends, but mm-hmm. I think I found, and even Oh four, when I saw him down in Anaheim, I, I, I was still like, I was blown away. He did a two and a half hour concert. Uh, took a five minute break. Maybe at most, I know T Swift just did three and a half hours without a break on the Eras tour. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, but Bowie was in his fifties here. Um, I, even then it wasn't the, the journey. It was the last few years as I started to, uh, return to stand up and struggle with how I was going to do that. I was getting better, but it wasn't where I wanted to be. Who was I on stage? Who was I as an artist? What did I want to say with the world? My views were slightly changing. How is that going to affect my art? And that is very much the journey of uh, David Jones, Davy Jones too, that had to become <laughs> David Bowie. And the Bowie that we all would know wasn't that Bowie at first. And and, and the stories of him in 1971 being uh, ignored uh, by the Hollywood uh, American music press uh, as he's being paraded around as uh, he goes to Glastonbury, uh, performs changes, and it's a acoustic B-side version of a song he had not yet fully realized because he didn't know who he was. There's a great quote in that documentary about 1971 based on the book um, by uh, David Hepworth that, that's about Bowie n- knew what he was, was in his mind. He just couldn't translate that to the stage. And he was going through that. And I started to engage with that. And that's starting to inform me more than it ever has before, than his work has ever found before. Uh, He's also just fun to sing along with, too. And he's a damn good singer. But I'm obsessed with the idea that he's like, yeah, not much of a music fan. That's how I get my ideas out to the world. Uh, Then uh, there's a great doc. There's several great Bowie docs out there. 
But there's one that focuses on like the last five years of his life when, uh, or the last chapter of his life. And he would, uh, was battling cancer, didn't let anyone really know about that. And he still was working, still working on a Broadway play, still putting music out. And it, that really sealed it for me about the type of person maybe I want to be. And again, he's someone who's very much not perfect and very much has some stuff in the past because, you know, he was a rock star in the early 70s, which was <laughs> a different and special time. So there's a lot of things there and we can learn from the mistakes just as much as uh, we can uh, take inspiration from everything else. So that's it. I could talk. I got to shut up because it's David Bowie. Ah, I just absolutely love everything he's done. Well, as far as I'm concerned, we could do a Bowie episode, too, because I, I have been becoming uh, far more interested and obsessed with him. And in an interview that he just one of those snippets that come across social media that, again, I know you're you're fascinated by just you're, you're scrolling along and some Bowie wisdom pops up. It's an interview that was going around with him talking about somebody asked him, like, uh, when do you know a recording is good? And he's like, well, when I'm a little scared, when it's a little beyond what I normally do and I'm not sure if it'll work. That's about where you should be when you're making art. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's he's just such a champion for art mm-hmm. of not not safety, but pushing yourself. And like that, that quote helped me uh, on the first short film I was making because I felt like I'm a little uncertain of mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Like, but if it's good enough for David Bowie, it's good enough for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I love those clips. They pop up all the time. There's a famous one of him challenging MTV in the early 80s, but not playing the uh, uh, black artists enough and date parting mm-hmm. them out of the rotation. And there's that. Mm-hmm. And there's the, my roommates were big fans and uh, they had the Bowie internet CD <laughs> back in 99 where he had his own internet service. And uh, those all those interviews of him just absolutely predicting the future good and bad we're on the internet it's fascinating stuff there so that's my number five choice jen i don't know where you stand on bowie fan of labyrinth uh fan of uh his music i don't know this is a mystery right yeah i i was never into bowie i've come to appreciate him later on in life and really him as an artist and uh his kind of fluidity with with gender and how he was androgynous and he uh challenged societal norms um and i think he was a very very important artist to so many people and i i would love to see those documentaries actually Highly recommend them. They're all great there. Um, yeah, the Moon Age Daydream one is, a, is an art piece in, in and of itself there. So that's my number five. We're going to push you on <laughs> because we have to. <laughs> to our number four choices. And Joseph, we'll start with you. Okay, so my number four choice is uh, is one that I don't know if it's on Jennifer's list, but we connected on it uh, recently on another Center episode because uh, Jennifer had used a track in one of her great social media posts. But my number four is the Beastie Boys. I feel oh. bad just saying it and not having somebody else shout part of it with me. Uh, <laughs> one of those things that makes them unique. It's so distinct, and then it's it's easy to make fun of because it's so distinct, but it's so powerful mm-hmm. of the, the shouting together. Uh, so for me, uh, I absolutely love their music i love how it it changes and evolves uh they in in the the general scope of things they don't have that huge of a of a catalog of albums but the the amount of growth and change is really amazing uh from album to album uh, so i could go on and on about specific songs uh but for me it, it was about how they came into my life um so uh senior year of high school i'd been playing in uh this this uh high school rock band and there'd been some friction uh everything was kind of about all of the the 80s bands we played all sorts of uh uh, guns and roses songs but we played older rock songs and every once in a while they uh the other the guitarist twisted my arm into playing an eric clapton song i didn't like (laughs) 
uh, all sorts of other things. Anyway, it was a, it was a time of great change, and I I really wanted to evolve as a person as a drummer. And a lot of things happened in my senior year where I had fights early in the year with uh, some people, and then once I was a little separated from them, including the guitarist, uh, uh, we, we our little high school band broke up, and then me and the bass player formed another one, mm. and a lot of our attitudes opened up. And one of the things that happened is another friend is like, you guys know the Beastie Boys? Like, yeah, I know, I know Fight for Right to Party and No Sleep Till Brooklyn and, and <laughs> they're cool and, and Hey Ladies, I've, I've seen the videos, they're cool. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't know the new Beastie Boys. <laughs> uh, and, and gave me a cassette uh, uh, with, uh, with Check Your Head uh, in particular. And the song that just blew my mind was uh, So What You Want, which was the big, the big hit off of it. Yeah. And, uh, I, I had been, you know, my dad had been teaching me drumming, but I'd been practicing drumming mostly to classic rock and to modern uh, heavy metal. Mm-hmm. And listening to the Beastie Boys, obviously they did not invent it, but they're the way it found it to me. So much looser, so much more experimental, so much if something sounds kind of off, that's maybe actually a good thing because they just mm-hmm. wanted to sound weird and fresh. And I just, sitting alone in my room, just like, uh, drumming with my hands on my drawing board like massively opened me up as mm. a as a drummer, and it was entirely because of the Beastie Boys. And just their whole attitude of everything about them is just sort of um, it's fun. E- even in songs that are a little bit more serious or a little bit have a little bit of harder edge, there's always that that spirit of fun in that spirit of like their their music is is great, and there's a ton of precision to it but almost all their songs sound like they were just goofing off and that mm-hmm. spirit of exploration and fun is, is what I go back to uh, all the time in throughout uh, their whole uh, career. They have, I think, you know, albums that have that, that spirit of uh, fun in discovery. Uh, but I had made a joke recently on social media because it's true of it, when I'm in a bad mood, I need to check, uh, am I getting enough sleep? Uh, am I uh, ha- having enough to eat? Uh, have I talked to friends? Have I listened to all of Paul's boutique? Maybe <laughs> that's what I need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's just the, you can't listen to them and not have a sense of, of fun and joy, in my opinion. So, uh, Beastie Boys. Uh, Jen, fun and joy, Beastie Boys. Oh, my God. I'm glad I didn't put it on my list because I, I, I was going to. Paul's okay. boutique. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So I, I karaoke. So what you want? I'm as cool as a mm. cucumber in a bowl of hot sauce. Like <laughs> I just I love, love them. And they just had so much energy. I, I think I mentioned this before. I saw them years ago at, at Irvine Meadows in Orange County. L7 and House of Pain. Oh, L7. Oh, it was so much fun. Fun when they came on stage and they were jumping around and everyone was singing their lyrics. It just you they they loved to perform. They loved each other as friends, and you could just really feel that. Um, yeah, and, and that camaraderie. About, yeah, and what I love about Paul's boutique specifically is it kind of felt like almost like a collage. The way that they would you know blend these sounds together and samples, it just felt like because I love to collage. It felt like decoupage, but musically. Um, it just was really oh, such a great album. 
Yeah, I was I was reading some more of the history about it recently that I didn't know and and how, you know, some of the the tracks with all those layers of samples in different beats. Uh, some they they put together purposefully for for the lyrics, but some, you know, a DJ had just been working on and is like, "You don't want to rap over this. It's like eight layers of samples and drum beats." And like, "Yeah, we can rap over that." And that <laughs> that density is part of what makes it mm-hmm. so good uh, um musically and also just you can keep I've listened to that album for years and just recently I've become obsessed with the uh the line, I'm charming, I'm dashing, I'm phony paper passing that Nick's check cashing. Like, <laughs> that's an amazing rhyme. And I, you can listen to that album and discover new things all the time. Phony paper passing that Nick's check cashing. This is amazing. So, wow. I, I, Jen, I, I love that this almost made your list. Uh, and, and another uh, great choice from Joseph here. I, uh, my relationship with them is, other than I, Sabotage was big at the time I was in radio, mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, my relationship to them is almost zero, nil. And here's why. Uh, Licensed to Ill comes out November 1986. All the kids in my school, it's about fifth grade for me, were like, Beastie Boys is where it's at. I was starting to uh, learn about music and, and, and started started to be allowed to learn about music in my home if we go to there. <laughs> and I came home with a cassette copy of License to Ill and told oh. my mom I'm I'm gonna I, I am a fan of a Beastie Boys, mom. And uh I remember oh maybe about a week later, I remember this distinctly. I remember the purple chair I was sitting in. My mom came down and had an article, Newsweek, I don't know, and, and said you like this band Beastie Boys? And I said, Yeah mom Josh <laughs> gave me the cassette uh, it's great. Uh, and she goes, well, I'm reading in this article that kids at their concerts sniff glue and do drugs. You are not going to be a fan of Beastie Boys. And I had to give up. Like I said. Oh, so, um, Just kind of the lingering things of childhood. I never went back and visited, uh, revisited the band because I probably felt I was letting mom down if I did. So, <laughs> And did you shout, oh, ma, you're just jealous? It's the Beastie Boys? <laughs> Joseph, I wish I had listened to the song long enough to pick up that lyric to highlight it. Um, so uh, I owe it to myself to go back. Uh, this is a band whose influence is uh, uh, just uh, unquestionable. Uh, and and um, uh, it's just funny. Our, uh, just hearing you both just rave about this. And I was like, nope, I had it yanked out of my hands. No. It's so awful. It's so awful. <laughs> oh, uh, so that's a great number four. Beastie Boys. I'll go with my number four. Jen will close here. Term before. And you know what? Uh, I do think there's a tie. Uh, there's a thematic tie here. I didn't realize till discussing it. This fourth slot, uh, it's a band from the 90s. There's two bands in a, in a parallel universe. I would go another direction because it's a great band. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Joseph, I think actually you know the members of Semisonic, Dan Wilson, mm. Jake Slick, Slichter, uh, um, and uh, uh, Jacob Slichter, Jake Munson, right? Um, John Munson, yeah. John Munson, yeah, thank you. Um, smart, wonderful heartfelt band they're back together got a new album coming out ah uh, closing time all that stuff sure great i love that band that represents probably more who i am uh and uh, uh, just some nice artist guys with hearts on their sleeves um <laughs> but i go the other direction um with oasis coming at number four um mm. the fact that i love oasis to the degree that i do and still do just saw noel gallagher at the greek uh in la here I've seen Oasis uh, many times, about four or five times back in the early 2000s. I'm still mad for it. Um, But they are, especially at their height, a uh, drunk, drugged out group of jerks. Was not who I was. In fact, uh, had not done drugs, still have not done drugs. I'm a goody two-shoe boy who doesn't listen to Beastie Boys. I didn't have alcohol until I was 26. So when I fell in love with Oasis, 
They represented everything I couldn't be or felt I wasn't allowed to be. And they are, to me, the battling Gallagher brothers. What I kind of want in rock stars sometimes. Are they horrible? Are they bigger than life? Are they kind of uh, a-holes? Yeah, that's kind of what I want. I don't want shoegazers, even though they got a lot of power from just standing still on stage. So uh, I absolutely fell in love with them. There was, of course, a a weird, infamous pop culture battle between uh, Oasis and the band Blur. Uh, It was always said Blur wrote songs for Sunday morning. Oasis wrote wrote songs for Saturday night. And I think because I wasn't allowed to go out on Saturday nights as a kid or (laughs) doing so in high school and college, lest I fall into sin, I think I fell in love with that. And And I think they also represent from an artistic side a straightforward approach. Uh, are they as deeply artistic as some of the artists already discussed here today? Are they? No. Are they directly influenced by so many of the bands that came before? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was part of the magic for me. Even in songwriting stuff now, I I, 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 I want to be deep or want artists to be deep. But also there's something for uh, a chorus you can sing at a bar while you're drunk and how that connects to a bass level in a lot of people. And I think that's what they do bring. So still to this day, big Oasis fan. Uh, uh, I even to the point, cut my hair, pulled, brought in the CD sleeve for definitely maybe <laughs> had hair. I had hair down to my belt and a beard that was three inches off my face. I shaved the beard. I went into the uh, hair salon to the lady who used to always cut my hair. And I, I pointed a picture of Noel Gallagher on the inside cover of uh, definitely maybe. And I said, this, I want this. Give me the Gallagher. Give me the Gallagher. <laughs> um, so there you go. They are very much influenced good and bad in my life. So, uh, Ken, I love hearing this because you're you're articulating well some of what the attraction was for me to to Guns N' Roses of mm-hmm. everybody in that era was posing in their lyrics were posing about what a what you know bad boy they were and then you'd hear like yeah no Axel Axel jumped in the crowd and punched a photographer and ruined the entire concert they're for <laughs> yeah. real it's not yeah. good but it's authentic it's mm. real. Yeah. And and wanting to 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 you know yeah to to be dazzled by this thing that I am not and probably don't want to be but what mm-hmm. if and all that it's so so powerful so I so relate to that but Oasis is in solidly in the pocket of the era of music I tuned out on can yeah. I don't I can't name an Oasis song that's okay I'm sure I know them but I don't what is what is what, what <laughs> pretend I'm 80 years older than you what's what's one of those Oasis boys big hits you know you want Wonderwall Don't Go Away mm-hmm. Live Forever I think one of the best radio si- singles of all time uh, uh, Cast No Shadow if you want some sad emo boy emotion so okay I know Wonderwall I, I yeah, just didn't know yeah. that what is Oasis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. Champagne Supernova Champagne Supernova oh yeah, yeah. Oh, wow yeah. definitely made I got some googling mm-hmm. to do Cigarettes, yeah. some of the best B-sets of Master Plan, Acquiesce, they're all B-sides and singles, not even on albums. Oh, I could go on. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Jen, uh, were you drinking pints down at the pub listening to Oasis? <laughs> no, but I, I do like it. And I hear their music often at karaoke bars. Yes. Uh, <laughs> because they are like, you, you can't help but sing along. And I was always fascinated with how the brothers would just, they would brawl. Like they were so, like you're saying, authentically mm. rock stars. And it's, there's something admirable about that. They just own their truth. <laughs> they own their truth. And they uh, the hate is authentic. They still don't talk after all these mm. after the band broke up. <laughs> it's a stable wow. reunion that people want to happen, but both of them say, F no, not with that guy. So, mm. Wow. <laughs> so that's my number four, uh, Manfred over Oasis. But Jen, what's your number four? 
My number four is Taylor. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 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 One Taylor Swift is a very great artist. My number four is Jay-Z. He he is one of the greatest, most influential hip hop artists of all time. Mm -hmm. Every album is great. Every album has a hit, but the one that I listened to from start to finish is the black album. It's a very autobiographical and he's a really great storyteller and lyricist. Um, one of my favorite, favorite lyrics of his is he says, I get, I get my by any means on whenever there's a drought, get your umbrellas out because that's when I brainstorm. Oh, I love mm. it. I think about that a lot. Um, but yeah. And, and then the, the best part about him is that you can go deep. I, I listen to him all the time, but then I have such wonderful memories of back in the day when I was in the club and his songs would come on and we would just go crazy. It was just so much fun. So I have so many wonderful old memories uh, with his music as well as new ones now. Love that. This is a great choice. This is why Jed's here. Uh, my relationship with Jay-Z is he's uh, an icon and a titan and uh, I just acknowledge it. Whether or not I fully know everything about his music or career, you can't escape him. You can't escape his presence. And I mean that in a great way. He's mm-hmm. truly uh, one of the biggest artists of our time. So I love that this uh, choice is here. Joseph, you're going to surprise yeah. me and say you own all of his albums. I know it. Uh, I do not own all of his oh. albums. I, I know a few Jay-Z songs and I love them. Um, and I love the the contributions he's made to the history of memes uh, as well. But the <laughs> yeah i mean it's true like when i think when i was thinking about him i'm like i I, right now i picture him with his daughter blue ivy you know and she's like Mm -hmm. kind of kind of embarrassed by her dad like it's a basketball game it was it was such a funny clip to see i'm like he's jc like you know but he's a dad and he is also husband to beyonce one of the greatest pop stars r&b musicians of all time right so uh who he is now is I think of him as like as a businessman and a father and a husband. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, 99 problems is one that, that somebody um, put on a mixtape for me that I listened to mm. a ton. Uh, so uh, that is, that's probably my main uh, Jay-Z connection is uh, the song 99 problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're, you're in the world, right? I love that. I love that. Yeah. You said the business, the business side of it, Jen. That's one of the things I absolutely, absolutely love. Um, just absolutely owning everything about his career, his art and those around him, the influence. Uh, he, mm-hmm. is, he is a Titan for the, for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's only our four fourth choices. We are up to number three. Uh, and uh, I'll start this round here. My number three choice for uh, favorite artist, musician, band is a, a solo artist. I actually recently talked about her, um, but now it's a chance for me to go deep into the music and the influence of Liz Fair. Uh, Liz Fair has been my favorite since the... Um, since I discovered her in 1994. Now, she broke onto the scene in 93, was uh, doing kind of her own independent thing out of college in the Chicago area in 91, 92. Her, her girly sound tapes kind of uh, broke her. And uh, Exxon Gavo comes out in 93, which is, um, it's always been a ledge, but it is, in truth, a song-for-song response to uh, Rolling Stone's Exile on Main Street, but it's also so much more. It was her telling the story of Exxon Guyville was her in the Chicago independent move, uh, music scene at that time. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Urge Overkill, a lot of those bands. And um, she kind of was everywhere if you were starting to follow music at that time, famously on a Rolling Stone cover, nothing more than a slip and 
that was kind of the image that got put out um, as the music mm. industry does. Um, she also had kind of a, a famous slash infamous song called Flower. I don't recommend you listen to that with the volume um, loud for other people around you to hear and let you know what's coming. Uh, and so that you get pigeonholed in that. And she was an indie post-punk darling and all that kind of good stuff. But this is when I was coming out of high school, discovering a lot of different kind of music. And uh, her second album, Whip Smart, I remember the night I was watching 120 Minutes on MTV. Matt Pinfield pitched it to uh, this new song from Liz Fair, the title track, Whip Smart, in the video. Uh, and I just was mesmerized from day one. Um, there's... Something, though, I, I, it's hard to describe, uh, and I try to say it as, as, as careful as I can. As a, as a quiet, lonely, sad, hard-on-the-sleeve kind of guy in the mid-'90s coming out of high school, which is some of the stuff we actually recently talked about uh, on another Center stuff, Joseph, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't fully understand uh, who I was pursuing, who being women, right? Which is mm-hmm. my choice. <laughs> I didn't understand it. And it's so easily, especially as a white straight male in the suburbs, listen to this music. You have this uh, image of, of this uh, pop uh, post-punk darling Chanteuse on a, uh, in, a, in a silk, uh, uh, you know, dress on a Rolling Stone cover. And that's your image. I swear to you, Liz Fair taught me about women before I knew, right? And I'm not perfect, still not perfect, but I really, really believe that listening to her music, listening to her perspective, listening to what she was saying helped me. It helped take her off that cover of a magazine and become something real, become something honest, including mm. the sexiness, the sexuality, her trying to own it and her desires, including the the foibles, the sadness, the the depression, the all those things she dealt with. And even when she wrote from a character, sometimes it was herself, the blood on the tracks was hers, and sometimes it was more of a character. Um, it was easy to get mesmerized by it. It was easy to kind of uh, be the rock dude flirting with her at a party virtually. Uh, and I actually wrote about this in the early 2000s where that a lot of rock critics kind of felt, uh, you know, she was their, uh, you know, secret girlfriend and they were drinking out of the red cups at the party. And uh, when she didn't deliver on that all the time, they, they, they started to attack her. Um, mm. you're not just sexy Liz. When you're not La Liz. Uh, you, you failed. And, and her music, even when she t- tried to go a little bit more pop, which was uh, kind of infamous, infamously derided by her fan base and the music industry in the early 2000s, uh, she was writing about things. Her, her album, which just this week turned 25 years old, White Chocolate Space Egg, dealed with her, at the time, marriage, at the time, a uh, baby on the way. The next album dealt with divorce, dealt with mm. dating while divorced. I, uh, and she was in her mid-30s. I, uh, my previous relationship was with a... Uh, a woman who was recently divorced with a young son in her mid thirties. And I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know. I didn't understand that. And again, never perfect, never had the full perspective on it. But Liz Fair had an entire album about that. And I could listen to it and go, ah, I understand it more than I ever possibly could. And I need to understand it more and communicate in a real way. So I'm not saying music is the end of your education on this stuff. <laughs> um, that's why I love her music so much and seen her, seen her perform many times. I'm going to see her 30th anniversary concert, Rex Angavel in November. It was more than just a rock star. She had Supernova come out and it's got some lyrics that make you blush and it's a rock and roll tune. But she was real in a time where women in rock weren't always allowed to be real. Some broke through, some always through the history of rock were able to do it but she was the, that version for the mid 90s and it was tremendously valuable to me and i'll always be thankful uh, as i still enjoy her music but always be thankful for that education that i wasn't uh getting there's a great song lyric she has about drawing uh drawing them in like a moth the flame and i always kind of thought that was her music uh yeah she's gonna draw, draw you in with some rock draw, draw you in with some sex drugs and rock and roll but if you're ready and you're open to it you're gonna learn some things and that's the legacy of liz fair's music for me
That is great. Uh, that is a mm-hmm. great verbal essay, Ken. And I think bringing up something really powerful of the, the, why we gravitate toward uh, specific musicians is is sometimes because they're exactly what we need at a point in our life. But that the power of music, the power of art is is connection and communication. Yeah. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's like what we've been talking about with some of like the, the you know, older uh, naughty bands <laughs> or naughty lyricists, you know, who, who, who can express some of the things that, that maybe you can't in day-to-day life of anger and frustration. But also uh, I love what you're saying that Liz Fair started maybe, that's maybe what the, what draws you to the, to the, the moth to the flame of the, mm-hmm. the anger and the explosion, but you got so much deeper than that to, to, the reality and the perspective that you didn't have access to otherwise. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's kind of, if you're, if you're open to the themes and they're there for you to explore. So that's that, uh, Jen, I don't know if you have any relationship with Liz Fair at her music, but, uh, let me know. Yeah. I, she was so cool. Uh, and, uh, she was incredibly sexy, which really was, I found intimidating as, as a young girl. And so what ended up happening was I kind of was drawn more towards like, the the train wreck of of Courtney Love and Hole mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ani DeFranco th- those kind of uh, artists who yeah, well, just, I love right right very 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 different but I mean and it's one of those things where I was like I think I try I'd like to listen to Liz Fair's music now mm-hmm. I think I probably would enjoy it a lot more but I, yeah I just remember that Rolling Stone cover I was like oh she's so perfect and and you know she was just so cool and I was not and so I just did not really I didn't feel like I could like either I could appreciate her or I was worthy of appreciating her music you know what I mean mm-hmm. so, absolutely and yeah. absolutely and that was part of, and that was part of the problem it's a rock and roll machine Mm-hmm. Uh, that turned up in a bit, in a bit, and that became the image. There's a great song. I could go on for our. I'll stop. But there's a great song <laughs> uh, later on in her career about uh, you know. Uh, I take the trash out too, <laughs> like mm-hmm. what a mighty you type of thing. So um, love that, love that. Um, yeah. So there you go, Jen. I'll make you a mix CD. I'm on it. Don't worry. I'll make some. I'll, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, give that one to me as well because I am not super familiar with Liz Fair. Uh, she's definitely in the uh, the era where I stopped paying attention and uh, definitely regret that. I get it. I get it. Uh, that's my number three, Jen. What is your number? My number three is Aretha Franklin. <laughs> A different route. Uh, There are so many reasons why Aretha Franklin is known as the Queen of Soul. Her vocal range is incredible. But when you watch her performing live, when she would perform live, it was so effortless. It was, she literally had an instrument inside her body that just was like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you see a lot of artists trying to replicate that nowadays, you know, with, Mm -hmm. and they just, they look like they're straining or they are kind of straining. And then they develop like, you know, nodules and notes on their vocal cords. She just had it. And one of my favorite songs of hers is sweet, sweet baby. Since you've been gone. Um, it's an emotional song, like many of her songs, very emotional, but it's also like kind of a bop. So it's, it's just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just kind of fun to, to groove to. Um, this is a house that Jack built is another favorite because it shows how she's able to convey anger and hurt and pain while still maintaining strength and power. That's like how her, her voice is, right? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. so great. It feels like an anthem and so many of her songs feel like anthems um she's just such a true powerhouse and you know 
being an incredible singer is one thing. There's a lot of incredible singers, but what mm-hmm. made her so unique was that she did sing from her gut in such an emotional place that made her feel so relatable, right? And that's mm-hmm. why people continue to listen to her music. You're saying it, 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 it is voice as an instrument, right? And voice mm-hmm. statement. Um, uh, she's uh, powerful beyond just her music, indeed. Uh, the queen. The Queen for a reason. On my oldie station I work at where I don't really have a lot of choice in, in what gets played. I love when a good Aretha Franklin sh- song shows up. It's so fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think I probably at a very young age we became aware of Aretha Franklin from uh, uh, watching the the Blues Brothers in a hotel room. Oh, right. <laughs> and uh, getting in trouble because uh, my brother and I got too excited and we're bouncing up and down on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> from all of that music and all of that that comedy but i love what you're saying about uh, aretha franklin I, and i think it's kind of fascinating that there has there's been tradition in you know some not all uh but uh but some uh western music that it is about the perfection of the note can mm-hmm. you sing mm-hmm. this perfectly uh mm-hmm. consistently night after night um and this, you know, explosion in throughout the 20th century of artists with amazing instruments who can mm-hmm. put so much emotion and no one else can sing the, a song the same way Aretha Franklin can. They can hit no. the exact same note and hold it for the same duration, but it is still not the same because it's right. truly mm-hmm. art. Mm hmm. There's a hilarious uh, clip that I saw just this past week where it was, I forget, all these female vocalists were, you know, on stage with her. Whitney Houston is there, phenomenal vocalist. And Aretha goes over after the performance and she just kind of like messes with Whitney Houston's hair. Like it's such a power move. Like, and Whitney Houston didn't even bat an eye. She's like, yeah. Yeah, because Aretha is the queen, right? So it's so funny. It's such a funny Uh, video. Now, uh, again, it, it's we're talking about big names, and, and it's far too easy to just look at a legend and forget why they became legends. And she's one of those that uh, mm. you, you should not forget, and she's got a powerful story, too. So, mm-hmm. great choice. Great choice. Joseph, a lot of pressure on you here for your number three. Well, without discussing, we're we're very aligned in uh, women powerhouses uh, mm. because uh, my number three is Lady Gaga. Ah, great yeah, and can I, maybe she'll pop up on your list as well. No, she's um, the one I've said. I I, I was like I can't. Uh, I didn't feel right including yet, but I'm happy to discuss it. So you made a great choice. Oh. Good, good. Yeah, there's so much um, about Lady Gaga that is powerful and that um, uh, different people, uh, particularly women, can speak to their different experience of uh, what her music has meant unlocked, what they've heard. I'm sure some Liz Fair-like journeys where they are drawn in by the kind of uh, art house spectacle, (laughs) uh, particularly of Lady Gaga's earlier career, and then found so much truth and freedom of expression in uh, in her lyrics and in her music and, and all that. For me, my journey with Lady Gaga was I was uh, out of touch with uh, with pop music and um, I think probably kind of having the beginnings of a, a, a young middle-aged crisis um, mm-hmm. where I was still doing a lot of things that in theory should make me feel real lively, you know, performing and hanging out with friends, and, but I was just feeling stagnant. And, and I didn't really realize it at the time, but I was just like, as I'm driving around uh, from rehearsal to rehearsal and, and day job to day job in the summer of 2010, it's just like I'm. I'm just gonna listen to the the modern pop station and see what's there for me. Um, mm-hmm. And started hearing, uh, you know, uh, um, 
bad romance and mm-hmm. poker face and Alejandro because the, the fame monster had just come out. And, right. uh, and it, just like when I was a kid, I was like, wait, all of those songs <laughs> are the same yeah. person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Lady Gaga. I got to check out mm-hmm. some albums. And so for my introduction to her, those, those first couple albums in particular, the fame and then, and then the fame monster, they are just so much about being alive, about wanting to be, you know, out in the, at the club with friends mm-hmm. and uh, about uh, uh, the good and the bad of romance, but the, the freedom and the need to dance. And uh, that was just like exactly what I needed to hear to just sort of like mm-hmm. feel a- alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that was really my introduction to her. And then I got the albums, then understood a little bit more like, oh, mm-hmm. she is from this, you know, performance art, art house background, which which Mm -hmm. spoke to me having a visual art degree and being a a theater artist, a little bit of a different approach. She wasn't like, you know, uh, like we were talking about with Guns N' Roses and Oasis, this like dangerous, uh, far away figure. Um, Mm -hmm. She was like, one of my friends could become Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. Uh, So made her both like this incredible uh, rock star, but also like strangely a little bit more accessible that like I understood where the explosion came from and grew from. and then as she started putting out more albums, I saw in her this this spirit that was similar to me, to other artists I like, uh, like David Bowie, of the, I'm going to reinvent myself. I have to reinvent myself. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, very similar to David Bowie. But then I started realizing like, oh, you know, part of the reason I may be gravitating to Lady Gaga is she is um, this very strong fierce but also vulnerable personality who also happens to be in an Italian <laughs> New Yorker, yeah, yeah. you know, who is uh not gonna back get down, uh really excited to evolve and change. And it's like she's kinda like she's like in a descendant of uh like mm-hmm. Sinatra and Tony Bennett. She's like that their spirit if they were born today. And then like a week later, uh she announced that she was doing the albums with Tony Bennett because Tony <laughs> Bennett had called her up and was like I, I, your pop stuff is great, but I hear your pipes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. You can do the oldies, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Stephanie. Uh, and, and she and she creates this partnership with him, which was one of the reasons mm-hmm. I'd become extra fascinated with her uh, beyond the the initial uh, attraction to this the explosion of life, which was this sort of like there are there are amazing pop singers who have kind of that that story of. Elvis all the way to very modern people where their image is this strong, powerful thing, but there are people in their lives who are like controlling them and locking them down. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And like that Lady Gaga to me had this connection to Sinatra of like, yeah, no, she's going to do what she wants to, to yeah. do. And, you know, she's been public about, she's has had problems and, and, and yeah. people trying to control her and, and tragedies and, and all these things. So I'm not saying she's like some uh, perfect superhero, but to me, there was some, there's something powerful about artists who, um, they are great artists, but maybe there's a team that kind of shepherds them over here to do this kind of album. Now do this kind of album. And I just sent so much of Lady Gaga was such a like, uh, I am going to do what I want to do and what I need to do. And it's, it's not just my music. I am a personality who is going to affect the world in, in multiple, multiple ways. Uh, so I think it's partially the music, but it's partially just like the size uh, of her influence because she's a, a person who's living her life out loud is, is an artist that is affecting so much of culture. Mm-hmm. Power from a five foot two frame. Indeed. Uh, I have uh, uh, a lot to say. I'll shorten up, but Jen, I want to slide you in here on this, uh, this choice from Joseph. 
Oh, it's great, great choice. It's interesting because when she first burst onto the scene, I, she reminded me of Madonna a lot. Mm, um, yeah. Obviously, their, their backgrounds, right? And and there was a time where I wish she was doing like the meat dress and, you know, the, there was all these, these big things. And I was just like, Ugh. and then, like you said, I learned that she's a performance artist, really. And I began to appreciate her. And then when I saw her with Tony Bennett and I heard her voice and it was so incredible and perfect pitch, I was like, oh my gosh, in addition to being this incredible artist, performance artist, she's also this talented singer. And also the reverence that she had for Tony Bennett, like she was just, even Liza Minnelli, I think I saw a clip of her on stage, being Mm -hmm. just so sweet to that older generation. I was like, wow. And then now with her as an actor and really diving deep and wanting to give the best performance possible. I really liked her in House of Gucci. So so I just have so much respect for her. I just, I love her. Great, great choice. Yeah. Yeah. She's one of the ones too. If you watch some clips of her interviews, um, I'd vote for her. Like she just has. <laughs> she explains things. Yeah. Uh, qu- quickly, my journey is mirrored a little bit with yours, Jen. Where, yeah, I, I remember 2009, 2010, and all that stuff, and the dresses, and this and that, and and um, it's easy just to kind of stop at that, right, and stop mm-hmm. at that, that gate and just go, I don't know what's going on here, and write it off. And I remember my boss at the time. I'm working in, in the old uh, uh, public safety job, and my my boss, it was this uh, real tough, grizzled, retired LAPD lieutenant, come shows up to work one day singing Poker Face, and I was like, What are you, what are you doing? He's like. Oh, that's a great tune. And I was like, I can like that. <laughs> like I had that mm-hmm. kind of like, I can like that, but she's just this, uh, this throwaway pop princess. Right. And, and some of those things exist. It's not necessarily the artist. It's the industry that churns them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happens. Mm-hmm. But, but it, there, it was a process to me where, uh, you know, music's catchy. Cause it's, it's, it's designed. It is, it is catchy. It's not designed to be, it is catchy. She's talented in that regard. Um, but then um, I remember seeing her on SNL and she was kind of sitting down at a piano and I was like, oh, oh, that person's really good at that. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. And that move, but still there's all the stuff around it. And, and I highly recommend if anyone, no one's seen the doc uh, five foot two, it, it, it's a, a very interesting point of her career. It's a very great doc. It's a very fly in the wall doc. It is a kind of a change in her career. I mean, she's just starting to uh, shoot a, a quote movie with Bradley Cooper. Right? He wants, wow. to movie. Uh, And so what we know her now is kind of, you know, dare I say it, because it's the way pop culture moves, an elder stateswoman of pop culture. The way, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but it's a fascinating time. And you talk about the dress thing. And I still think I, 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 I there was a part of me that had to, didn't understand and, and had to reconcile my thoughts on that from 2009 and 2010 to the present day. And I saw this talk a little bit after it came out, 2018 range. And there's a great sequence where she kind of talks about, you know, the, you know, they want the red carpet. I'm going to give them my version of it. I'm going to control who I am, control my, mm. control my sexuality, control everything about me. It's art. It's a story. And then there's this fascinating, almost scary, intimidating sequence of supercuts of her leaving buildings and the swarm of fans around her and the, her dresses, her outfit, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it blew me away. I got it. I got it. I'm a Beatles fan, as you all find out soon enough mm-hmm. already. And, wow, that's something different. And to maintain her 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 agency and maintain her art and her purpose and and what she wants to put out there through this with thousands of people screaming her name. The the outfits suddenly had reason that I had that were always there, of course. But I finally got it. And that's where I I really did the big switch, where I was like, ah, oh, there's something going on here that I just had overlooked. 
and uh, her and Bowie right now are probably the two big influences on me in terms of art and what I want to do. Every night I drive to a comedy show, I am listening to uh, Gaga. Uh, <laughs> Rebel Rebel shows up, but Edge of Glory, uh, Diamond Heart, one of my favorite songs, uh, Bad Romance. I don't care if they're the big hits. I'm singing it at the top of my lung as I go to a comedy club because that's the mood I want to be in, a true artist. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Great choice. Thank you for uh, yeah. uh, sneaking in there on, on my list. <laughs> oh, I, I, it, uh, I might be sneaking in on, on one of yours uh, as well. So, yeah, I, I, I just want to say quickly about the 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 early uh, her early stage life world presence that was so much costumes that that was one of the things like I felt like, is it okay for me and an older person to like newer music and all the yeah. feedback I got when I like you know, people younger than me would be, you know, they'd say Alejandro and I would go like, I love Alejandro. They're like, what? Um, it, but in a welcoming way. And so that felt good. But then it was, it was also kind of empowering to me when I talked to other people my right. age, particularly men, I had the opposite experience from you, Ken, of I had somebody say to me like, you like Lady Gaga? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, that, that meat dress. I'm like, yeah it's 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 art and it's expression it's an idea it's meant to be provocative and to talk about and, she, <laughs> and he was like she scares me i don't know what her face looks like <laughs> and in a way that felt even more like even though she at that time she was the thing uh mm-hmm. i felt like in a in a club you know because i was okay with this thing that was frightening other people hmm. yeah yeah love that Love that. Oh, that's a great choice. That's a great choice. That's uh, your number. We got all of our number threes in. Oh, my gosh. We're having fun. But we have a couple choices left. We're going to take a quick break here on Life Rank. We hope you're enjoying this conversation. Come back for our favorite bands, artists, musicians as we race towards the top of our Life Rank list. Stick around. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to the show. We are here in Other Center. I'm Ken Napsok with Joseph Grimshaw, Jennifer Land in the virtual studio. We are talking about our favorite bands, artists, and musicians. As you can tell, we have a lot to say, which probably means not the last time we talk about music or even these <laughs> artists. Uh, but we've got to get to some of the big choices here. And Jen, we're going to begin with your number two. Number two is Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Let's, oh, oh man. Okay. It, it, yeah, yeah. So I, I had, there was a time when I was really obsessed with classic rock and it all started with Led Zeppelin. Uh, when I was 13 years old, I had just started high school and this kind of group of friends and this boy that I began to date, he, they introduced me to Led Zeppelin. And so there's a lot of nostalgia there, but it's a band that I've continued to listen to for all these years later. Every album has a song that I love, but my favorite album of theirs is houses of houses mm, of the Holy, because nice. I can just let the whole album play. Um, and each song on that album, it takes you on a journey. There's so many different songs that you can play depending on your mood over the hills and far away. I love blasting when I'm on a road trip. Um, the mm. ocean is a fun one. If you're at mm. home and you just are, you know, I don't know, doing something, <laughs> cleaning the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, one of my favorite things when I used to listen to the radio, and Ken, maybe maybe you've done this, is when they play Heartbreaker on the radio, mm. and then you follow it up with Living Loving Made next. <laughs> it's just like this thing, yes, yes, they're playing it back to back. Like, I just, oh, I love, I love them. And I love that Robert Plant is still performing. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, it's just such a great band. Yeah, when uh, what 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 age did you really discover them, Jen? Like thirteen. Thirteen. Oh, yeah, that's a great. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's kind of the they were everything. 
Mm-hmm. Ah, this is a great choice, Jen. Yeah, I have uh, I have a, a good relationship with Led Zeppelin. I I never was drawn into them as much, but I always forget how much their influence is there and how much I enjoy it. So occasionally on pop rock and radio, when I do my radio show, someone will request Led Zeppelin. I'll be like, oh, some Zeppelin on. Then I always go, I do this. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, right. That's right. Um, <laughs> page. They kind of knew what they were doing there. Uh, fascinating yeah, yeah. era. Uh, that doc I always talk about in the book, 1971, it's a fascinating time for them because they are uh, not the Zed- Led Zeppelin that we would come to know, but they, they still were in a wonderful way. They, they showed up um, uh, a powerhouse. So I love that choice. Love that choice. And yeah, speaking for the rock and roll DJ man, uh, the other thing too, I love, first of all, I love that they're Tolkien nerds, uh, but um, I uh, used to love playing Led Zeppelin songs because it, it would allow me to go to the nearby Jack in the Box and get food. <laughs> Stairway to Jack in the Box Nice You got seven events Oh, except for we would be fine We couldn't play Stairway on our radio station We'd be fined $95.30 If if our program director caught us No way Just because of the the massive overplaying of it? Yeah, yeah, it was that kind of Kind of like the Wayne's World joke Hey, no Stairway Yeah, it was uh, But all the other songs were on there So anyways It it is That is a band Slightly injured by the mass success of that one song Mm -hmm. Which is not yeah Led Zeppelin's on my runner's up list so this is great this is uh, so so fun uh to hear these surprises uh from Jen I discovered them around 13 or 14 uh years old as well like my dad had some classic records album but he was more of a Beatles guy mm-hmm. and Led Zeppelin was whoa man that was that was all different because it kind of related to the 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 music they're creeping more into being a bridge toward heavy metal um mm-hmm with the ripping guitar solos. And then when I started drumming and trying to play along with the tracks, <laughs> like I started drumming, like I can figure out how to play along to most Beatles songs. I cannot figure out yet how to play along. Yeah. Bonham. Yeah. John Bonham Carter is, it is, he is, he was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. 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 Moby yeah. Dick on, on yes. uh, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. So, so much love uh, for that. Mm. 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 Wonderful. Yeah. We've got ourselves a great mix uh, mixtape on TV format <laughs> right here right now. Uh, we'll go to uh, your number two, Joseph. Well, this one will be a little bit shorter because uh, so far uh, we've all been doing some some pretty well-known uh, uh, groups and individuals. I had to include this because it's just true, and they're just they're a small indie band from Canada that uh, does really niche music. Uh, but if you look at my iTunes history, uh, there <laughs> is absolutely no doubt that they're one of my favorites. Uh, I think I've mentioned them uh, once or twice on Four Center. It's a band called Darkest of the Hillside Thickets, um, <laughs> and they are just a kind of straightforward kind of classic nice and bassy a lot of drums uh guitar solos rock and roll band uh but they formed to, to do songs uh, about the cosmic horror oeuvre of hp lovecraft oh. um so it's this really weird niche um and i started listening to them uh because i'd go over to my good friend's house in, in minneapolis and he'd all of us were were Lovecraft nerds, and we would play uh, Lovecraft board games, like combat board games, where we would stay up late, uh, drinking too much beer, and you know, trying to, uh, frankly, uh, murder one another in shacks. Um, and he would he would crank this music, and, and it was it was like uh, the, the, is you, you kind of the you know if you think of the most obscure thing you like, in and then you realize there's a whole band about it. Not that Lovecraft is that obscure in the in the grand scheme of things, but you know. The closest I ever got to this was 
talking about Led Zeppelin, reading The Hobbit and listening to Led Zeppelin and ha- <laughs> like literally, like it literally happened when I was 14, mm-hmm. reading wow. The Hobbit and like, did he just say Gollum? <laughs> Is that okay? Is that allowed? You know, because Guns N' Roses weren't mm-hmm. like uh, singing about, you know, whatever nerd thing I was, I was reading. Um, so that was the initial draw. And it was like, it was party music that I listened to at my friend's house where we mm-hmm. partied by playing board games too late. Uh, and then I just had one of those moments of like, I can just buy that music. That's allowed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I love the music. It's a, uh, dark and weird and funny because it, it does kind of play on the jokes of it takes some of the super dark scary things and then just kind of turns them into a, a little bit of, of jokes by putting them into the uh, pop culture rock sphere uh, and then I really started gravitating toward it because Ken you and I have talked about this uh, recently mm-hmm. um, you know there, there was a shift for rock and roll where you know it's not on pop radio mm-hmm. as much and and if you want to do the work you can still find you know a uh, rock and roll that is bass mm-hmm. guitar and drums and and you know a, a vocalist with great weird range mm-hmm. um but i wasn't finding that and i realized i'm listening to darkest of the hills so i think it's uh partially because of the cosmic horror fun but also because just like i've been missing finding in my life a really solid to me classic rock and roll band and they're mm-hmm. absolutely that too so i think people who love rock would be you know it would be a little bit of like maybe a nirvana experience where like this is great i'm feeling a lot of things i don't know what these lyrics mean but <laughs> <laughs> this is great uh and the name darks the hillside thickets uh comes from uh, a lovecraft story uh the tomb uh mm-hmm. that says uh, i will tell only of the lone tomb in the darkest of the hillside thickets uh and i've never got to see them live but they perform wearing like big bonkers spinal tap like suits of uh cosmic horror monsters and just a great sense of uh there's an energy of beastie boys there too of like let's let's this music is good we take it seriously but let's have fun with this so that's my number two darkest of the hillside thickets i love that 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 name darkest of the hillside thickets i just wrote down i'm gonna look them up uh it's right up there with and you will know us by the trail of dead (laughs) (laughs) right Uh, i love that i'm completely unfamiliar i think i've heard you mention it before gonna take a dive in Uh, fascinating stuff jen will you surprise us and say it's your number one choice or no. <laughs> I I have never heard of this band and I, I was just looking it up. It looks fascinating. I can't wait to listen to it after we record. I want to hear it now. Yeah, I was not trying to pull one of these. Like, actually, one of my favorites is one you've never heard of. I don't like that. was not trying to pull that. It's just yeah. honest. It's hard not to. Believe me, I, I want you all to hear Jesse Payo and Pom Poms. All right. Go look for it. You want to yeah, I, I know. I know the urge, but no, I think this is a great choice and very true to your experience. This is wonderful here. Uh, we're going to go to my number two choice. And I realize uh, the way I kind of run things, I think I'm going to end going back to back here. We'll see. Cause I want to end with Jen here uh, at the number one choice, but my number two choice. Uh, yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest bands in the world. This, all, they always elicit some kind of reaction, uh, sometimes negative, And I get it. I actually get it. They all give you a free album on your iTunes and you hated them for it. And I understood. Cause it also wasn't the <laughs> I uh, I have to go with you two as my number two choice, and here's why. Here's why it's personal. Uh, absolutely one of the biggest bands in the world. Uh, influence uh, rock stars. Talk about rock stars being rock stars, especially when they come uh-huh. back in '91. Uh, Bono says in '89, we're going to go away and dream it all up again, and this is what they they come back as. Mephisto um, and Fly and all the stuff. Totally get it. Totally get it. If it's not your thing. Um, I love the pop album. I think it's uh, mm-hmm. smirched unfairly at times, but. Uh, 
here's why. And they, I, they were obviously big when I was in radio. Uh, the, the, the friend of mine at the station who was actually kind of romantically with at the time, she, huge YouTube fan and I got it and I loved it. And, and their songs were, were great. But it, beyond that, I needed them. And when I, when I, when I just, when they really hit me, not discovered, when they hit me in the early two thousands, I was in such a depressive state. Uh, I was so uh, such in a disillusioned uh, with the church period of my life, which has has only grown. But my disillusionment wasn't with God or the concept of God or my spirituality. That wasn't the problem. It was the building I went into, and I had this weird war going on in my soul. Uh, but I needed some help. I was depressed, man. I, I, I you know, 2003, I tried to jump off a building. 2004, put a gun to my head, and I just was in the gutter. And that's when I really connected with the love, desire, and crisis of faith of, uh, of their music. And uh, that's where it really hit me. And there's a specific moment. I hate to get so specific here that it might offend someone. I used to attend a big super church in L.A. in the early 2000s. Um, good pastor, I think, uh, Pastor Dudley Rutherford, I, I thought was well-intentioned. I haven't been around there for years. So no, no not just besmirching that church, Shepherd of the Hills. It's, 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 it's only grown. It's giant now. It's like almost a whole city up there in Porter Ranch, California. Uh, but I went there and I wasn't feeling anything and I was feeling lower and lower. And, and again, it's complicated reasons. And there was a guest pastor and he was a fire and brimstone guy. And I was like, this wasn't for me. I got to go. I don't, this isn't speaking to me. And this, I think this is destructive. And I was really sitting there listening the whole time. And at the end of it, he brings out Psalm 40, which is this great Psalm for the book of Psalms. And he reads it and it's my favorite Psalm. The reason it's my favorite Psalm is you two had a song called 40 that they closed every concert at in the eighties when they were the biggest band in the world at the time. And the pastor reads this and he had just given this sermon in which we got to go out and destroy and fight the world. And, and, and we got to be bulldogs and, it wasn't my thing. And I felt it was wrong. And I just felt so distant and so cold. And he reads the Psalm 40 thing. And he goes, this is a great song. I, I am, I am amazed that no one has ever turned this into a song. And I almost got up and left right then. Not because I'm a U2 fan. I need to defend the band, but I was like, you're not feeding my soul. That band is because this mm. song Bono closed. And yes, he's Bono. I get it. And a lot of people like, him. but he closed every show in the eighties on his knees singing hallelujah to this song. And that mm. probably affected more people than you ever will. And I never went back. <laughs> never. Mm. That's my last time in that church. And this, this band saved my life as well as George Harrison's music who could, you know, by himself could be on the list. Um, and so that's why I love them. All the other stuff and, the, you know, uh, and, and I was taught not to like them because they were quote a Christian band that went secular, which is not hundred percent true. But if you listen to their story, especially on that Letterman interview, they have, um, where, where he, Bono and the edge go back to Ireland that you get into where that came from. And, and Irish Catholicism is, uh, you know, it's a big, it's a big umbrella. Um, that wasn't exactly true, but I was told that as a kid, you can't like them. Um, mm. they turned their back on the church and, uh, maybe there was a good reason. So anyways, that's why I liked them. We can get into all the other stuff or you can talk about the music, but that's why I, uh, was greatly influenced. And in fact, I say saved by the band in the early 2000s. Mm. Wow. That's that really is, powerful. Yeah. I, I think a, a, a tribute to how powerful music can be obviously, mm -hmm. um, but also I understand um, we've only had drive-by conversations about you two. And I like, yeah. I have a couple songs of theirs that, that I like. And, but mm -hmm. I, I like, I had friends who loved them and I tried to get into them. And um, yeah. I yeah. do have strong opinions about the iTunes thing. I think I, I wrote an essay about it at the time for a friend's, uh, a friend's uh, kind of online journal about, mm -hmm. I think people felt like 
there's so much uh, in our lives that we're losing control of. And now you can't even control your, your personal <laughs> music space yep. without Bono popping up and going, take it whether you like it or not. Yep. Which was, yep. I don't think from their perspective, the, the spirit of it. Uh, it's really wonderful with the ups and downs I've had with you two to understand fully why they mean so much to you. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, I still haven't, uh, he just put out that book, uh, 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 about 40 songs or whatever it is. And uh, he does take some ownership for that finally. But <laughs> saying, ah, that was me. Um, and the rest of the band was a little unhappy with him for it. It's fascinating pop culture history indeed. And I don't think you're wrong because uh, I don't listen to that album. <laughs> but I feel like that with like a lot of these big names we're talking about, not all of them, but particularly the ones that were sort of lauding because they are creative and, and expressive of themselves and try big things that they all take swings that yeah. either like, yeah, that album didn't quite work or wow, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they pissed a lot of people off. But yep. that's a part of the, that's a part of the power of being willing to, to try things, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. indeed. Indeed. Uh, Jen, any thoughts there? Uh, did you oh. throw, your, throw your iPhone into the fo- into the water? No, I, I love you too. Love, love you too. And uh, it's really funny because <laughs> I was listening to, see, have you guys seen Sing 2, the movie Sing 2? Sorry, I'm going to mention something, a strong no, company, but no. I, I have to for the story. And I, and, uh, well, gosh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I can't even think of the name of the song. Only to be with you, that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So the the lion in the movie starts singing that, and I'm like, "Wow, that really sounds like Bono." And I'm trying to tell my kids, I'm like, "That sounds like the artist," because they don't understand that this music that they're playing in this movie existed outside of this movie. <laughs> and I I was waiting for the end credits, and sure enough, Bono is in Sing Two, <laughs> and I was like. For him, good for him that he played this shy lion who didn't want to perform. I just, I love it. I love it. He does a duet with Halsey at the end, who is a hedgehog, porcupine. I can't remember. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, there you go. My number two choice, and also we, you want to? I can't stop, but you plug in other bands. Nepo babies are a thing. I get it. His son, Elijah Houston has a great band called inhaler and oh. you might want to try to not like it because of that connection. <laughs> ah, they're, they're really good. They're really good. So check it out. Check it out on inhaler. All right. So now we're out to our number one choices. And as I often do here, I, I like kind of like to lead off the number one choices. So the other folks on the show can close it out. But I realize that kind of accidentally uh, puts me back to back. So I apologize, but also will force me to be quicker because um, mm-hmm. I spent spent 30 years talking about this band and uh who hasn't um there's a comic named uh, howard kramer i don't know what he's up to now or the material he does so don't hold me to that but he, he had a great bit i used to always see in the 2000s uh where he'd be like oh great yeah you got a Beatles shirt on awesome i got a shirt that says food like we get it <laughs> you like the Beatles. uh but i'm a big big Beatles fan and I know that's shared here as well and the reason I'm going to choose to discuss them and, and I was trying to think trying to justify this because I almost was like should I just put them into like a life ranked hall of fame and talk about other things um, so we can go to the music we can go to the accomplishments we can go we can go you can watch uh, Peter Jackson's doc if you want I, I do I just put it on sometimes in the background there's all these things to talk about but I wanted to kind of make it personal and again this is a shared unique journey something that I experienced by myself that turns out everyone else did they are an influence on me and so many people for like how to do this, <laughs> how to start, the origin stories, change, growth, risks, infighting, implosions, bad business, good business, how to dress, 
how to change your hair. All these things we're kind of talking about. They're not necessarily always the first in this stuff, but it's what I study. And so there's so many things in my life where I'm like, oh, I, I've entered my summer of 68 phase with the Beatles. Uh, I used to grow a beard and call it, oh, this is my 70 McCartney, or this is my 71 Harry, <laughs> or it's my 65 Ringo. Like I, I, everything, even down to how I dressed or how I looked, or even how I felt, I kind of felt anytime you come out uh, with, for them, a new album, but anytime you kind of reemerge, are you talking about Lady Gaga, uh, reemerging, David Bowie changing, you should have a different look, different feel. Uh, I, I kind of like, and it took me until late in life to kind of get to this point. I kind of like that you could look at them and go, that's them in that year. That's them in this year and that year. And it's a short amount of time. They did mm-hmm. so much. And it's one of the things mm-hmm. people talk about just in terms of the dry history of it all. It's so much in a short amount of time. A lot of bands did, by the way. Uh, it was very common. Uh, you know, uh, three albums a year, no problem. You're slacking. <laughs> um, no, it's a little different. That's just the business of it all. But that's the thing that I love. Uh, uh, I want to focus on and, and, and not necessarily love the most because I love so, love them for so many different reasons. Um, yes, the music. Yes, it got me through uh, the, the high school days and I felt I was joining a club, right? That even my dad, we don't talk as much, but even he was like, oh yeah, when I was in, Na- in the Navy, I had reel to reels of Sergeant Pepper that I was passing around the ship. Like <laughs> all that stuff is there. It was truly a connection, but that's what I love. It's this weird template. It's like them and Spinal Tap are how you do bands <laughs> or how you do art. <laughs> Rise, the fall, the comeback, this and that, and, and all those things. So that's why I choose to list the Beatles as my number one. I'll say this. I don't listen to them as much anymore because they're just so part of my DNA and wiring. I don't, I don't feel I need to. Um, I, I go seek other bands out, but that's kind of the power of them. They're, they're always going to be there. They are a click away and that's all I need. So the Beatles are my number one choice. Mm. Oh, that, that is great. The, the Beatles, uh, were a huge influence to me, like when I needed them early in life and I would love to revisit them more, uh, John Lennon in particular, and just sort of the, the idea that you could be artistic and weird and, and be yourself. And I know that's kind of become a cliche every time somebody mm-hmm. passes away, you know, people on social media be like, thanks for teaching me. It's okay to be weird, but it, it's become a cliche because so many people experience it with different artists. But, um, mm-hmm. I, I did not like having glasses and I saw John Lennon with his, you know, gold wire circular glasses mm-hmm. and, and I, uh, my glasses were broken and I, my parents liked the Beatles and weren't uh, afraid of um, me mm-hmm. being um, me challenging them yet because they were used to the Beatles as a safe challenge because they were their challenge to yeah. their parents. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't recognize it that I was going to be challenging them in a bit. And they're like, mm-hmm. sure, we'll get you some John Lennon glasses. <laughs> and, and it made me feel like mm-hmm. I can I can start to be myself, you know, yeah. in in public and. You know, I, I went on a field trip in eighth grade, uh, like a three day thing to like this environmental retreat uh, and the cassettes I brought with me. I could only bring three. And it's my first music ranked was bringing those three cassettes in. It was Appetite for Destruction, Led Zeppelin Two, and mm. Sergeant Peppers. Uh, mm. So a huge part of my life early in life. And I would I think it'd be really fun to maybe talk some more Beatles as I, mm. I spend some time kind of rediscovering them. There you go. Mm. Love that. Jen, your thoughts on the Beatles here? Oh my gosh. You know, for me, they were an example of reinvention because when I mm-hmm. knew them as a kid, they were these teeny bopper, you know, rock and rollers on the Ed Sullivan show. So then when I was in high school, I was introduced to the White Album. And I'll mm. never forget, I was at a friend's house where they were, he was kind of having like a small get together. His parents weren't home. It, I, for some reason, they didn't have a lot of lights on. Uh, and he lived at a house in the hills. And so I could mm-hmm. look off into the distance and he put on the White Album. 
And I was like, wow, this is, this is the Beatles. This doesn't sound like what I thought. And when Helter Skelter came Mm. on, I was like, oh, isn't that the song? This Charles Manson, like there was a sense of danger that I don't know, like, and then being in that house in the hills, like suddenly got a little freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But just, yeah, yeah, Mm. I love, I loved learning about their, their new side of their, of their music. Mm. I just, White Album, Sgt. Pepper, all of those. So, so good. Yeah, the commentary of happiness is a warm gun. That was like, I think one of the first things I understood is political commentary Mm -hmm. to the point Mm -hmm. where like I I would go around and tell other kids at school, like the Beatles, but John Lennon in particular, a pacifist. And like I almost got in a physical fight because another kid didn't believe me that John Lennon was a pacifist. Uh, Yes, yes, indeed. I I remember uh, young junior high going, uh, singing Tax Man and going, this is talking about the high tax rates in England. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's my number two, our number one choice. Uh, Joseph, we're going to go with your number one. What is your number one? Uh, my number one will not surprise anyone at this point. It is Francis Albert Sinatra. Um, I, will, I will try to contain uh, contain myself. Uh, but uh, I think uh, it's great that we're talking a lot about our, our, our introduction. Um, so, you know, growing up when we did in the 80s, you know, Sinatra was still touring. He was still a presence. Um this happened with a lot of uh, the entertainers in his era where we as kids just sort of absorbed the sort of the twilight of the gods. The, these uh, people kind of at the end of their era as they're, they were trying to figure out how to how to stay true to themselves, but also embrace the present, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew Sinatra from just uh, Johnny Carson would make jokes about him. I knew he was real important. I yeah. knew he was old blue eyes. I knew both Joe Piscopo and then Phil Hartman did jokes and Phil Hartman was, mm-hmm. was real funny and portrayed him as frankly like, you know, your <laughs> inappropriate grandfather who says deeply inappropriate things. And I thought it was so funny. And one of my initial introductions to Frank Sinatra was like repeating Phil Hartman jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like Same. That's how he lived in my imagination of this mm-hmm. crusty old guy that's even older than the Beatles. How is that mm-hmm. possible? Mm-hmm. Uh, who is totally locked into a different time and a different era. And he's always wearing that tux like a fool and why, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I, I, you know, met some friends who who were artsy, and we did some like kind of early shows together. And they like Sinatra, and uh, and I picked up um, "Strangers in the Night" because I thought uh, the the dooby dooby doo he does at the end was was really funny. Um, hmm. And uh, and I picked up another album called "Ring a Ding Ding," uh, which uh, features the coffee song, which was this weird novelty song. That's it's great jazzy song about uh, how much coffee they have in in Brazil, um, which is really funny lyrics. Because so I was still like, oh, that that Sinatra is kind of like a, a funny joke, and I'll I'll, I'll play, and this will be ironic. Um, and then I started like really listening to the music and and appreciating the music. Um, but at the same time, it was hitting me at this very personal level of um so w- when i was a, a senior in high school there been a, a lot of changes uh in life um real real short i i fell for a, a a girl and and it didn't work out and is not her fault and long story uh but i'd never experienced something like it, it was the first time i experienced like it was almost chemical um that i just there was no rationale to it um, and it, it I, I graduated, literally when everybody was throwing their, their caps, I was like trying not to weep because she had just broken up with me like at graduation. Mm. 
Um, and it, I had never experienced that kind of devastation. I had, you know, been broken up with and had nothing, things not worked out and cried at the roller skating rink because <laughs> so-and-so <laughs> didn't want to skate with me. I'd, I'd been through all that. And I thought, I thought at like 18, when I graduated high school, that I was world weary and been through it in like, I remember like, I don't think my dad knew, my brother knew and like my brother was trying to cheer me up and it was like, come, come in here and, and listen to the Star Wars radio uh, dramatization. And I was like, I don't even want to, there's no point. And, like my dad took me on a bike ride and I remember looking at like uh, yeah. the, the sunlight through the leaves and going, that's beautiful and I know it, but it's, it, I, I, but I can't feel the beauty. It's all garbage. Mm. And I, I never, that was the first time I'd experienced like that level of devastation where you just kind of, you know, and I still don't entirely understand why to this day. Mm. So as I got deeper into Sinatra's catalog, uh, A, I had just started college and I no longer had the peer pressure of, you know, I like Guns N' Roses and other kids like Guns N' Roses, but then I'd sometimes have to be like, yeah, and the Poison song was great too. And be like, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> I felt this peer pressure to like what everybody else liked. And I, there was this freedom of like, I can just like Frank Sinatra and it's <laughs> nobody's business. Mm. You know, if I want to shock someone in my visual art class, I can tell them that Frank Sinatra is my favorite. So there was this emergence of the new for me that was also the old, but with the, with the heartbreak, Sinatra's power deeply is uh, being a storyteller. Mm -hmm. And through, through the heart of his career, uh, particularly in the 50s and the 60s, he, he had songs that were just absolute jubilation. This is what it sounds like to have the best day of your life. I've got the world on a string is the happiest song in the world. And he has the, the saloon songs, which are just soul-wrenchingly devastating. Mm -hmm. um, and in the height of his career, he would alternate in the fifties and Capitol records between a swinging album with just jubilation and a saloon album with like, you almost want to be broken up with so you can feel <laughs> <laughs> what Frank Nazza feels in, in only the lonely and in, in the wee small hours of the morning. And he has an album called uh, when no one cares. It's, oh. <laughs> and I know you would like some of these saloon songs cause I know you've been there. Um, so it, it was for me like the first time that I was truly like, oh, wow, something from the past understands me in the present. Hmm. And it ties into what we we're talking about with our nostalgia episode of realizing I, I, I grew up thinking like, yeah, the 50s, I, the 50s were bad. I, I know about, you know, everything that went on in the, the civil rights movement and how awful it was for people and, you know, all these all these things that I was ready to just kind of throw away everything. Hmm. <laughs> before I was born and mm. the realization that, Oh, that, that impression that Phil Hartman does, that's, that's who they thought Sinatra was at the end of his career. That's not who he was, yeah. uh, that there's value in the past and also learning that he was a huge champion mm. um, for civil rights early on, won mm -hmm. a special Academy award for this short film he made called the house I live in where he, he teaches kids not to discriminate against one another, um, that that's true American values. Um, so it, it was shocking to me, too, to experience him culturally of like, I've been lying to about who this person is in, mm. in, in almost the other way. We talk on our nostalgia episode about sometimes we get lied to about the glory of the past. I, I got lied to that there was nothing of value in the past. And Sinatra mm. was my introduction to that. Mm. Big Giant Force Center, Center, well said on the music and career of Sinatra. And you're speaking a lot of things that uh, 
uh, just are so familiar with me. That was my introduction as well. Fell Hartman, who I love. And the cars of it all, all that kind of stuff. And I love when you first learn about pop culture and often it is as it is at that time. And so that becomes old man Frank. And then you, you start to slowly learn. If you're lucky, you get to learn all of it. You get to learn the truth, both the good, the bad, the complicated nature of him. And, and, and you're talking about the civil rights stuff early on. Early on in his career, that was part of who he was and never left him and all those kind of stories. It's fascinating. And the legends, uh, the tales, whether true or not, uh, the steak Sinatra dinners you get to enjoy. It's just, it's <laughs> really get to feel the full full breadth of what he's uh, done. But at the, at the at the core of it is this uniquely generational talent, right? Like there's yeah. a reason. And, and I say that a lot, but I, I just, I just sometimes think the answer is the answer. And, 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 that voice, yeah, that was in the persona uh, and, and who he was. Ah, it just is a reason it took off. Um, and I love it. Like you talked about earlier, the, the falls, the, the rise. Uh, that's the reason he was so long, such a long career. And um, I really appreciate Frank. I think I've appreciated him more over time. I, ironically, I'll say it's one of the reasons I really started to turn a different eye to Frank was uh, the uh, two shots of uh, sad, one shot of happy from uh, Bono. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm with you on that there and uh, no surprises. Sir. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, I could go on and on, but I'm, I'm going to edit myself. The last thing I'll, I'll say is if you just want to check out one Frank Sinatra song, uh, go to the song that I want played at my funeral. It is on the album. Come dance with me. Uh, just Google dancing in the dark, Frank Sinatra. Mm. Dancing in the dark. All right. Uh, no, not a spring. Season. Okay. Okay, uh, Jen, your number one choice. Well, actually, who knows? Could be Springsteen coming in at number one. No, who 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 does? Jen, you're closing out our show. What is your number one choice for your favorite band or artist, solo artist? My favorite band is the Grateful Dead. Wow! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, my husband was really surprised. I'm like, are you joking? Is it? But. <laughs> Let me preface this by saying I don't do drugs. I never have done drugs. I gotta say that because anytime I say you like Pinky Boys, I hear they stiff glue. <laughs> oh God, my mom! My mom has no idea uh. that I went and I saw a few Grateful Dead con- concerts uh, when Jerry Garcia was still alive. And let me tell you, mm. <laughs> there were a lot of things being done. I was completely sober, however. <laughs> um, I-, I mean, I could have a-, a whole conversation around the Dead community. Which I mean, if you ever went to a- one of their concerts, it really was like a like a village where you could like trade things. Like I could bring, you know, bring my beaded jewelry and change it, exchange it for like banana bread. Or it just was this wonderful group of people that would literally tour with the band and they were a bunch of hippies and it was really, really special. Unlike anything I'd ever experienced. But what I love about the Grateful Dead is, is that they have so many, they borrow from so many different musical styles. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite albums is their 1970s album, Blue, for Allah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got kind of like this groovy, folksy vibe. But then you also have Shakedown Street, which is kind of like a disco kind of album. Mm-hmm. And then you have the American Beauty album, which is, has like all of their classics, which is a great place to start if you've never really listened to The Grateful Dead. But what they are best known for are their jam sessions, which notoriously, and in concert, let me tell you, they would go on for <laughs> 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And depending on how inebriated Jerry Garcia was. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're my, the best jam album, I think, is Skull and Roses from 
1971. It's a little bit more contained. Uh, so you get some of like their blues and rock and roll vibes, but you also do get a little bit of like their spacey vibes, which is kind of fun. But it's not it's not so crazy that you're going to get lost if you're not on drugs. So, <laughs> but I just, I love them so much. And I wear my Grateful Dead shirts probably, which are now in style, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I'm not one of those to say, oh, do you name one out, you know, song from their album. But, um, it, but there is something I, I, I just always think about those memories in that time in Las Vegas and Los Angeles when I saw the dead. Mm, great. Yeah. This is why we did the list. I did not know that Jen owns Birkenstocks, cargo shorts, and follows the dead around. All right. This is I used to make my own clothes. I would I would uh yes, I would trade them. Uh patch patchwork dresses and Birkenstock clogs before they were uh in fashion. I did not shave my armpits. That's where we're going. That's where we're going with it. I, I have a question about the music itself because you're, you're talking about like the the culture of them and the experience of them, which is which is great and amazing. A lot of the music we've been talking about today is, is either like kind of explosive, energetic, uh, makes mm-hmm. you feel alive, or mm-hmm. really, really soulful is there with you in in the depths of your despair. My understanding of Grateful Dead, and I'm not an expert at all, is that their music is very much eh, let's all just chillax. Mm. Is that fair? And in, in what is what is the emotional appeal of experiencing just their music? There, it's like being in the ocean and you're mm. kind of bobbing along, and you're being floated, carried by by the waves in a in a kind of rocking way. It's the best way for me to describe it. Yeah. Or if you're driving through a forest and you have this canopy of trees over you and you hear the birds like that to me is franklin's tower that song it feels like expansive i mean i'm not obviously i haven't done drugs but like it does kind of feel like you're opening your mind to something beyond yourself Mm. and i and i really need that because i have a lot of anxiety and i tend to you know spiral and whatever and the the grateful dead helps me get beyond myself and feel that there there is there are other things, there are other forces out there very much why we, why I love star Wars. Mm. Um, and mm. so, yeah, there really is something you can tap in if you like, they have kind of country songs, more bluesy kind of things. Um, but yet for me, they're my favorites are like the groove, the right in the waves. Wow. This, that's a wonderful, uh, beautiful description makes a ton of sense. Uh, and it also does sound like you're doing an, uh, a commercial for Grateful Dead. They're a natural high. <laughs> <laughs> On this two-disc set. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, my one big thing here. Uh, so this is a great choice. I uh, totally get it. Uh, my sister is, was, always will be a, a fan of the of the uh, um, uh, Grateful Dead. Uh, ah. The day Jerry uh, passed away it was very bad, yes. traumatic for her. Uh, in a rock DJ in the mid nineties, we did actually, uh, at a kind of a class, a station that had been a classic rock station and kind of transitioned to a modern alt rock station. We, we definitely played a lot of classic stuff. So, so the dead always showed up, but the question I have to ask Jen, Mm -hmm. how much do you hate me? That touch of gray is my favorite grateful. I really like touch of gray Gray is a perfect radio single. It's a great song. And yeah. I used to love it then, but now it means a lot more to me now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that that is I listen to it uh, too all the time. And and actually I kind of I like that it was such a popular song because it gives like a sense of like I don't know, not legitimacy, but they were kind of seen as like oh those yeah. wacky, wacky those wacky yeah. people, right? But yeah, that yeah. was such a hit. Mm-hmm. Um and I think you can put it on and I wouldn't say it's a crowd pleaser, but people don't mind. Uh, people okay. don't mind. Yeah, my husband doesn't mind. <laughs> not so sure about the other stuff which is why i usually play it by myself so it, it is a real gateway i remember like always being tortured when that song came on the radio it's like i like this and i know all the lyrics and i want to sing along but it also makes me sad yes. really oh yes. but they have that fun groove out mm-hmm. you can do like your spins I love well I, well i gotta I, i'm talking about uh, you know mm-hmm. memories of you know it's being uh, you know poised at the cassette deck of do i want to record this one or not and then, mm-hmm. so i gotta revisit touch of gray and see uh yeah. Now that I do have more than a touch of gray, how it affects it. Yeah, that's, mm. uh, it's, it's just a great song. It's a great song. Anyways, a great band. Uh, a reason, again, a reason that they are so loved. I just, I'm, I'm blown away by, uh, by Jen chasing the dead. Uh, yes. Love that. Yes. If Jerry hadn't died, I would have been on the road with there them. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. We've done it. We've done it. A supersized edition. And we could have done a lot more. And we'll do this again. We can revisit all these artists, all these songs. Hey, maybe we'll do our Hey, Bands You Need to Know. Though Darkest of the Hillside Thickets might also be on that list as well. <laughs> uh, love that there. So we're out of here today. We want to thank you all. We also want to uh, remind you that you can support the show by going to Audible. Uh, brought to you by Audible. Uh, we are uh, audibletrial.com slash four centers where you can go over uh, 108,000 dollars to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Get that book, 1971. A uh, whole lot of noise by David Hepworth. Uh, music in 71, an important year in which music started to affect culture uh, in a way it hadn't, uh, uh, at least in the rock genre before that. Uh, all right. You can follow us on a lot of spots. Just search and find us, including threads. We are there. Instagram, YouTube as well. Podcasts available in a lot of different spots. Merch available, tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Find me at Ken Napsock. Jennifer, where do you want them to go to uh, tweet their uh, deadhead stories to you? <laughs> yeah, you'll find me most active on Instagram at Jennifer Landa, but I'm on all the social media plat- platforms at Jennifer Landa. All right, Joseph, uh, people are going to have a lot to say, I'm sure, about your uh, choices as well. Where can they find you? Oh, yeah. You can find me on uh, all the social media. I'm trying to build up a presence there on Blue Sky and Threads in case one of those uh, actually survives. But you can find me just about anywhere uh, at Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, If you are uh, listening to this on the day we are uh, releasing it, um, it is uh, my birthday, I believe. Yeah, my birthday is on Thursday. We'll release this on Thursday. Uh, So I I did want to bring back something I've uh, talked about in the past, but if you want to give me a birthday gift, uh, go to the website, votefwd.org, and see if it's for you. It's an organization called Vote Forward, uh, and what they do is they have campaigns to specific states. Uh, They're trying out some campaigns about specific issues, Uh, but you print out a form letter, but then you write in for yourself why you vote, why you think it matters to you. And this organization has uh, followed up this this effort of sending out these million letters with studies to see if it actually works. And it's having a pretty significant uh, uh, increase in voter turnout. So it is really a way to encourage people to use their power. And as much as we have strong opinions uh, about things and and those things can just turn into kind of yelling at one another on social media, this is something concrete that will actually 
get people out to the polls that will actually make a difference. So if you're at all interested in that, I highly encourage checking out Vote Forward at votefwd.org. Absolutely great to it. Birthday gift for Mr. Joseph Scrimshaw there. Boop doop da doo. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Some grateful dead scatting right there. <laughs> we'll see y'all. Thank you. This was fun. We'll do it again. Life has been ranked. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.